Gotta do better, no survival in this era if we turn it on each other Like a family reunited, they hate it when we together Down, let's talk about it, listen to the teachers, let them tell you You want facts behind your questions, Dr. Rick, give them that Followed by wise words, introducing Dr. Michael Blanche Many guests and activists every week, leading by example When there's problems, there's solutions Together we are the answer The teachers Hello, everybody. Dr. Rick here, along with my ace, uh, Dr. Michael Blanchard. Uh, we are excited to be here today. It's been a while. We have both been extremely busy uh, in other endeavors. And so we've been sort of in a hiatus as far as the teachers are concerned, but we are getting back up and getting back into full swing. Uh, and today we have actor, um, and from what I've discovered, poet uh, uh, William Barnes. Uh, he is a frat brother of Dr. Blanchard. And in case you haven't realized it or figured out, he's definitely parading all these noops up and down the thread of the teachers. They just keep coming. But uh, we are going to let him get into it uh, and introduce uh, his frat brother, uh, actor William Barnes. We're going to take this conversation in a number of different directions. Uh, I'm going to let Dr. Blanchard take it from here, and I'll jump in and get in where I fit in. All right, Doc. Yes, yes. Good morning to all of the listeners out there. This is uh, Mr. William Barnes, and I met Mr. Barnes in about 2011 in the grocery store we passed each other we, we 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 saw we both were noops and everything we began a friendship back then uh i moved away from south florida in 2012 came back in 2019 so we've been friends for almost a decade and uh will is in, will is an it uh person by career trade but he's also into real estate he's done security bodyguard work he, he's got multiple streams of income he's an investor uh i'm gonna let him tell his story but he's also an hbcu graduate uh will tell us a little bit about your your background man tell us your, your upbringing and all of that absolutely first and foremost thank i want to thank the teachers for even having me on your show we had tons of people to get on here and for you know to have me on here i, I much appreciate it um, <clears throat> what about me? I, I'm from Virginia originally, a place called Hampton. Um, uh, another HBCU is there, Hampton University, and they would they would say that they're the real HU, but I'm gonna leave that to them. Uh, uh, I, I attended Virginia State University in Petersburg, Virginia, my, my with my for my grad degree, and then um, went to New York for uh, New York University for my graduate degree. And from there, the New York area, 
people say life starts in New York. Well, the acting, the bug of acting started there in New York because some friends of mine were in a play um, uh, who I played ball with, uh, uh, a play called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, an August Wilson play. And I, at the time, I wasn't really interested in, in acting. But then I saw the power of that play, the messaging, the, the, the poetry that's in our August Wilson play. It just stuck with me. And fast, this was 97, fast forward three years later, um, was working security at a club. And um, on my way to the club, uh, the Will Smith movie, Ali, was being filmed in the Miami area. And I was like, you know, as an extra, it's not much money, maybe 80 bucks for a whole day. And uh, I decided, you know what, let me just go out and see what's going on with it. So I, I, I had an Afro at the time. So uh, they went ahead and booked me. Uh, and, you know, fast forward a year later, the, the, the film was finished. And the, the, one, of the, one of the supervisors, one of the bouncer supervisors said he saw the movie and said, yeah, well, you, it was a good look. You need to check it out. I waited two, three months. I didn't even stress it, didn't sweat it out. You know, I didn't think there was much to it. I went to the movie theater and saw me, that little bit of four, seven or eight seconds, and I lost my, uh, can we curse on you? Yeah, you can. I lost my fucking mind. I was, <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is what this is like? Just that the fact that I'm on this big screen and, and the little things that they told me to do on set showed big on the big screen. So I, I kind of fell in love with it at that point. That's when I started um, going, you know, taking some classes. I was already doing spoken word at the time anyway. You know, as grown men, at a certain age, you tend to go through things in life and I needed a way to express it. I wasn't going to the psychologist, just like people say, you should get some help. I wasn't trying to get help. What I did was I went on stage, spit what I had to spit and got the hell off stage. And now, you know, it was sort of a, a you know cathartic for me. So I was already doing, I was already performing, so to speak. And then I took an acting class to get better at poetry. I, I didn't take the acting class to get better at acting. I got, I took the acting class to get better at poetry because uh, I had, you know, all these poets that I knew, poet laureates, a guy named Will the Real One, who, who, who may rest in peace, Absolutely. was one of the poets that were doing their thing on HBO, Deaf Comedy, uh, uh, Deaf Poetry Jam, all these things. And, um, the acting coach was like, look, I know you want to do this for the, the poetry stage, but there's some guys, uh, APAC Theater down there in Miami, who want you, they're, they're looking for a, uh, a person to play the third person, it's a three-man play, the third person in a play called uh, Seasway Bonzi is Dead. Now, I never did theater at the time, but I figured, you know what, why not? So I went out, tried out, booked it, and then realized that the best teacher of acting is being on the stage. That's how you learn how to act. When you there's no net, there's no cut, let's do it again. You're on stage, 50,000, 10,000, 50,000 people are watching you and you gotta do what you gotta do. So from there, once I had that on my resume, then all the TV stuff just started to add up. And, you know, uh, over a 20 some year period, um, I've done some shows here in that local area uh, it's been kind of slow lately, but um, I hope to get back uh, to it as quickly as, as more projects get here and the politics of it. I mean, that's a whole new thread. 
uh, Dr. Rick, that'd be a whole, uh, Dr. Blanche, that'd be a whole new thread about the politics of getting reductions here in the Miami area. Atlanta, Georgia, half the stuff you see on TV is being shot in Atlanta, Georgia, because Georgia said, yeah, we'll give you what you want. We'll give you all the incentives you need. Just bring us that work so we can feed our people, basically. And yeah, when I, when, when I met you, you know, uh, I remember seeing you on uh, several of Rick Ross's uh, videos back around 20, 2011, 2010. You were on uh, Black Down Dada. What's the name of that song? I'm a Zoe. Yeah, and then most recently, the Dosakis. That was that was five. Believe it or not, that was five years ago. Yeah, and, Dos, and the Dosakis commercials five years ago because they're, that right? no, they're still showing that, right? No, they're still they showing. They don't, they don't really show it anymore. It, it was they shot in 2017. They showed it in 2018. That's okay, just how we saw it over at over at a mutual friend of ours. Where we watched book, football. Book, Remember they played it? Yeah, they played it at over over the Super Bowl last year. I think it was last year they played it. No, that had to be that had to be 2019. Where you tell them, coach. Where you where you yell? Yeah. You tell them, coach. That yeah, that was that had to be 19. So how was it? What was it like working with uh, uh, Rick Ross and, and and folks like that? Um, you know they are. And how did you How did you even get chosen to do it? Actually, a guy named Gil Green, who is the director. He's, he's a he's a he's a hell of a music producer. He's a he's a producer and he's a director. He also went to NYU as well. And he um uh, he or a rep reached out to me because I had been in a couple of his other interview uh, uh, videos. And he was like, "Yeah, we need we need some old school gambling people for this particular shot. I think it's uh uh the, the video was my Bugatti or something like that, uh, right? Uh, with Ace Hood, and um, they needed some old school gamblers and I did it and you know those things are cool to do but you got to know uh it's rare so you got to go hustle for that next one your 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 the work is just as good as the as that last job and then you're off to the next one because they're not it's rare so you were you were mentioning a little bit earlier the, the opportunities for black actors and content creators i know that um you know the, the, the time frame we're working in now, you have Netflix and you have so many uh, other avenues um, for the work to, to, to be sold to. And I know they're really looking for content creators. I keep hearing that. Um, what is it like for black actors and content creators? Is, are the opportunities really there? And, and how does one go about getting into that, you know, either acting or, or uh, you know, taking advantage of these, these opportunities that are out there now with the expansion of, of areas other than just the movie screen, you know. Gotcha. Well, content could be an iPhone. You could you could you could do content just using your iPhone, or you know, going out and hiring camera folks, uh, other actors to create your own niche, to create a channel on say YouTube or or what the, what they call Reels that are in Instagram and that are on Facebook. And uh, if if it becomes popular enough, you know the likes. Trying to get IG likes and it gets you get a, two or three million people to watch you, then the game has adjusted itself. It's changed a little bit. If you get those, if you got all the followers, you can now take those followers over to Instagram, um, um, Netflix, or Prime Video, and you can try to sell your content to them. Um, it, it, I mean, there are you know there are the old school ways of going to a casting and trying out and memorizing copy and making sure that your agent you know 
you know, letting your agent let you know when these castings are and you go and you do what you got to do. Um, but there, 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 there's another way, another method. Uh, Instagram has a billion people plus watching it. So um, if you can find something that catches on in the Instagram reel, in the Instagram world, then you could do it that way. Even though I think right now you have to buy uh, the amount of people to see you at this point. Because I I don't think they're just, okay, I got a great video. And then Instagram is going to be like, okay, let me sh- let's show it to all billion of our people. No, right. they probably want right. you to buy your way into right. doing it. Right. With, with, with Instagram, you have to understand Instagram is owned by Facebook. Right. And what happened is when I first came into social media, I was a late start. I did the MySpace thing for a while that I backed off and it was mostly me moving my content on my website. So it was more about SEO ads uh, and things of that nature to get my content out. And then social media hit big with Facebook. And Facebook, I think, now is approaching three billion. I don't know where they finding these people at, but you know, I'm like everybody ain't even got a phone. But I guess now almost everybody does. Right. But what happened is when I first came, like because of a past life, when I got on Facebook, within two or three months, I was at my max of five thousand people on my personal profile, okay. and that's before pages became uh real popular you know branded pages for either being a uh public figure or a company brand or whatever you you need pages now uh because it's un, un, unlimited followers right uh so what happened though is when i first got on if i shared something i could almost guarantee that the vast majority of people following me would have an opportunity to see it then facebook realized that people were literally using the platform to advertise right and so what they did is they created algorithms to reduce the amount of people who could see what you post even if they're on your friends list uh the last time i checked and because you know one of the things i do is i do this you know with with one of my businesses is i deal with marketing and the last i checked it's something like seven but it's below 10 percent of the people who follow you are going to see your post without boosting it, without doing something. Facebook wants to get paid for you to have exposure. Well, obviously the same ad setup goes to Instagram. It's the same setup. If you're advertising on Facebook, you're advertising on Instagram. So that's the beauty of it. You You can get yourself out there. Now, what I like about Facebook is it's not expensive. It's not as effective as it used to be. Uh, for a lot of different reasons. And then there are all the other things. For instance, you have to understand your target audience. Facebook, when it comes to branding, is obviously still king. Facebook, when it comes to a target on the audience over 40, is still king. Instagram is going to be 35 and under. TikTok, 20 and under. Uh, now, it doesn't mean you don't have grown folks on TikTok. You do, and that, that, that population is growing. Now, the question is with TikTok is... Are we going to even have it? Because they're pushing to get rid of it in the U.S. Uh, there's, pre- there's pressure right now coming uh, from uh, at least one senator and some, some others uh, that are applying pressure to Apple and Google to take TikTok off of their app store. Uh, you know, it, it, it originates in China. Oh, so yeah. they consider it to be a national security risk. Oh, so 
So politics is playing a role in that. So I haven't invested yet a lot in TikTok because I'm trying to see where it goes. Uh, don't want to waste all that time building an audience that won't be there. Um, but YouTube is still a powerful platform uh, for video. Uh, and if you have a personality that you're trying to get out in that type of content, it's good. And what I want to put on uh, on Will is we talk about the opportunities. We talk about traditional means. And again, like you said, uh, the Internet has produced uh, Internet and social media has produced a completely different leverage arm for people who want to make the game happen. It's done it for uh, artists in the music industry. Um, you know, you can make money now without signing a major deal. If you've got the right hustle, you got the right know-how, you connect with the right people and you stay ahead of the game because they're always looking for ways to block you because the people who keep won't, the people who've been having the money want to keep the money. And so when they see you going around them, they come around just like Facebook said, wait a minute, y'all over here posting and selling stuff. So we're going to make you pay to get that type of exposure. Now, you still have this thing I call the lightning. And, and but what I want you to talk about is the opportunity for ownership on a grand scale so that we are controlling what we produce on a vertical scale. But to me, the lightning in the bucket for me uh has been the viral that one thing you produce that literally catches on everybody does it and in one instance you become known right and some people have a knack for it they like their one viral video after another and for one and for others it's just that one video but then in that one time people become aware of who you are and they start looking for you so and I guess in my my question, it goes back to in what way do you see us taking more control by way of ownership? Um, as far as your content is concerned, make sure, you, of, of course, make sure you have, you know, writing wise, copywritten, everything that you that you need to have copywritten. Um, I guess there's, I guess they have content, people who know the law of, of, um, of, of what's out there on Facebook, on Instagram. Um, you make sure that you hire the, the, the people that will make sure that you, what you create is yours and nobody else can turn around and, and flip a video and put their stamp on it and say they did it. Because a lot right. of times on Instagram, you'll see some of those videos, but or the theme of the video, then another person will do the theme, like uh, those dances that everybody does. There's one dance, but 50 million people are doing that same dance. So if if, there's, if you if you if you make some content, if you make a series, make sure that you are legally that that it's yours. So when you go to Netflix, they can't turn around and say, "Nah, we don't like this," and then they turn around and give it to one of their in-house producers and directors uh you know to do it that way um i have yet to broach that as of yet i'm still on the acting side so whatever i do someone else owns it whatever right. commercial i book someone else owns it whatever voiceover that i try to do and sell 
or, or, or get paid for, they own it. Um, unless you have your own, like you say, you have your own website, almost certain anything that you put on your website, like for this instance, this show is yours because you have it. Uh, you, you've created the content. This right here is content. This is a link that you can send to a Facebook group or to an Instagram page and it, it you own it. So I, you know, I think, I think if you, if you, if you make sure that the it's originating from you, then that should be yours. But legally, I would definitely suggest getting a professional to look at what you've done, learn from that professional, and and then just repeat process. Right. Doc, what, what you got next? Uh -oh. We can't hear you, Doc. And look like your camera slowed down too. Yeah. We're not hearing you, and your camera slowed down. He's out. It sounds like he's outside, so his Wi-Fi signal might be not that strong, and it, and it's affecting his uh, his his the, the voice as well. So I he's would asking to go to his phone if he did. Right. That'd probably be stronger. Right. But so uh, now the acting thing is obviously a passion about you. What other passions uh, are you exploring and in, in, in entertaining? Man, how much time you got, dude? Time <laughs> hey, you got. Not just, necessarily entertainment. Um, I'm looking at, you know, the real estate game, the, the, the investing, what I, what I, to, to stretch this answer out a little bit, let me go back to when I was in high school and uh, working at McDonald's and one of my coworkers was like, look, we're selling our plot, we're selling our acre of land for $400. This is 1983. You backed out the mic? I don't know. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, I can hear you now. Uh, okay. The question I asked while you were gone is just, you know, what other passions he's got. So he's about to go into that, and then okay. you can you can come back with whatever you are about to say. Okay, no problem. So, so I'm, I'm definitely passionate about not working for anyone else ever again, if that's a passion. Um, and I go back to when I was in high school, and nobody really discussed maybe, and, and it wasn't my family, it wasn't my friends, it was coworkers talking about real estate and owning land and owning apartment buildings and owning a home. I mean, my dad already owned a home. So, you know, I was aware of that, but I did not know that a landlord who people give bad rep to, if that landlord's own 10 buildings, then he's not working for anyone. You know what I mean? So I already had in my head, I already had a stigma that being a landlord is a bad thing, but you know, it just depends on who the landlord is. And so, um, you know, I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about the whole, um, you know, financing and, and stocks and bonds and uh, crypto-ish. I'm passionate about those things. Those things that could create cash flow. Those things that uh, uh, that could help me. That could help feed my passion. If those things are rolling, that means I can go and try to book anywhere in the country if I want. I have the money back. Right. 
Right. And, and definitely uh, Doc and I have talked about this on numerous occasions, uh, the importance of being autonomous uh, mm -hmm. from an economic perspective, uh, the ability to generate revenue. Uh, um, it's not for the squeamish. Not at all. It, it, it's not for the squeamish. It's not for people who um, don't have the intestinal fortitude to, to, to take risk. If you're risk averse, it's definitely not for you. But the reward of being able to wake up and put and invest your blood, your sweat and tears and energy effort in thought and everything else into something that you own uh, is priceless. Uh, again. Uh, people say, well, when you go out and you start your own business, no matter what you're doing, there's no guarantees. And say, you go get a job, that's no guarantee. Nope. Any day you walk in could be your last day. And in most states, which are, you know, in some form of a right to work state, they don't even have to have a reason. Absolutely. Florida, and, sure. Right. And so you go in and now because you have always done something in which someone else owned and controlled, you don't know where to start. Like I tell with me, I have a diversity of things that are going. I have the thing I'm passionate about, which most people get to see me do, but I have so many things going in the background that nobody will ever know I have my hands on. And it's to, it's to hedge my passion. Right. So when my passion ain't paying like it's supposed to, because I'm out giving away myself when I should be charging, there are other parts of what I'm doing that hedges me, but there should never be a time when every last thing I do isn't producing. But even if I reach that point where nothing I'm doing right now isn't working, I have the understanding of how to build. I look at what works. I go build something else and I keep going. Nobody can stop you from working. People cannot hire you, but they can't stop you from working. Now you have to find the place where you're going to work that you control. Exactly. And the thing is, as much as we love entertainment, as much as we are naturally, naturally rhythmic, our ownership in these arenas should be far greater than it is. Our control in these arena and the control of the content and ownership should be greater in these arenas. And with that comes power. We keep talking about power, but we have rarely grasped the totality of what constitutes power. They show us constantly. Without economic force, you have no power. I don't care how much you vote. I don't care how good you look, how many Mercedes Benz you drive. I don't care about what house you live in. If you don't have economic fluidity, you don't have power. Politics is controlled by power. That's why all your senators are what? Millionaires. It's controlled by power. So in essence, when I sit up and I look at this and I hear that, that's scary to some people to sit up and say, I said to myself that I, ne I, I never wanted to work with someone, work with another person again. And I work for someone else. And to some people that doesn't seem uh, responsible. Some people, it doesn't seem, uh, and, and the thing is responsibility and being responsible is putting your best yourself in the best position to win and yourself in the best position to pass down wealth, uh, to your progeny. And it, it's not always easy. It's not always a straight shot. So 
then you have to figure it out. But yeah, so I was trying to give Doc a chance to get situated. He's catching all kind of fits with his camera. Yeah, it sounds like he, um, I don't know if he can hear me, but Doc, if you get closer to your Wi-Fi, maybe an access point or in the house, or even get on your phone, your phone may be stronger than your Wi-Fi. That's, and I, I'm hoping he can hear me. He may or may not. I may have to text him. But to piggyback on what you said, so the people are telling you, people are, 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 are it's that crab in the barrel situation. Oh, you shouldn't do that. That that doesn't make sense and da-da-da-da. Well, a lot of people, they've been taught early, this is how you're supposed to make it in life. You're supposed to work for someone else. You're supposed to make them as rich as possible. You're supposed to be happy with the benefits no matter how much they pay you per hour. And in 40 years, when you retire at 60, you, you have a complete life, even though you may only live another 20. Maybe, just 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 assuming. And 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 I there was a meme that I came across that said they're busy. It's it's almost like the system is designed to keep you so busy working for someone else that if all of us decided if we had enough if we had enough time on our hands, time time is money, as far as I'm concerned. If I got eight hours a day to think of other shit to do besides work for you. Then I think that I, I think that lends to the power you're talking about because I have 40 hours to think about what I can do, bring to the market, create my own wealth, um, uh, whether it be a product, a project, uh, idea, whether it be technology or whatever. I have all day to think of to to think of to think of things of uh, to of helping people. A lot of people who are who are wealthy, they thought of one idea that could help everyone whether it be uh, 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 the ring doorbell, for example, you can do it yourself and it's cheap. Right. Who doesn't want, who doesn't want something like that in their home? I got one in my house, but it took that one idea and, and the help of some investors. And this man doesn't have to work again. If, if we all, we all have the capability. Right. And if we have the time to think right. of things like that, so you doing a nine to five job, you really don't have time to think you'd have time to think about someone, you know, making someone else rich and helping them with their computer. Right. Or if you're a lawyer or a doctor helping, you know, fix people up and sew people up and things of that nature. But do you have time to, 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 to do what you need to do in order to, to, to get yourself off that, 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 that corporate cord. And I'm doing my best right now to, to, to ensure that that happens. I'm using a day job that I might be getting soon to feed the investment passion, the acting passion. Cause at some point, just like you said, you, 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 you got a work deal going on that helps feed everything else. And right. I was stubborn. I quit a day job thinking that I didn't have to do that. But as human beings, you learn, no, you might have to humble yourself and, right. you know, get and, back to it. And, and I, I think that uh, sometimes people sit up and, and they think, okay, because I'm pursuing a dream, it eliminates me from the responsibility of taking care of what I need to take care of. No, the dream is first and foremost, when I talk about dreams, I'm not talking about fantasies. I'm talking about an image of a vision for something greater in your life, which everyone should have. Uh, everyone should have a vision of something greater. And the dream is simply the most vivid image of that vision. It is what you look at when you need to be reminded of why you're doing what you're doing, because there are going to be these times that it simply does not make sense. Like, man, 
hell, this, you know, you'll put it down if it's not for the dream, if it's not for the image that you can look at and say, this is what I'm striving for. You know, I look at where I'm at now and there is this big space that I just walked into uh, that I've been fighting for some time now to get to. And how many times I looked and walked into walls and said, man, what am I doing? Uh, but I've been here before, so I knew not to quit. Right. But, it, but, 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 but what you talk about is this time. To me, people talk about time. So most people say time is your most valuable asset. I actually believe your mind is. But I believe time is right behind it. I believe your mind is your most valuable asset because when you learn to unleash it, it actually is limitless in what it can produce. There's no limit. The problem is, the problem is that you talk about imagination, creativity, the things that we have. What happens is we're born with it. You know, I grew up playing cowboys and Indians with sticks. You know, I grew up flying around riding a horse on a broom. The things that you can make your mind believe, my sisters are overcooking with mud. All these different things that we took wasn't anything there and we made it something and we enjoyed it and we made it real. And we began to believe and people ask us, what are you gonna do when you grow up? And we would say, I'm gonna be an astronaut. I'm gonna own my own business. I'm gonna own a football team. I'm gonna... and, and what happens? They let it ride for a while. You start to hit five years old, that's kindergarten stage. Now you're about to go to public school. Don't go there embarrassing me talking about you're going to be an astronaut. Tone it down. Get your head out the clouds. Stop daydreaming all the time. This real life now, you're probably never going to be an astronaut. Why? Astronauts don't look like us. Now we know they do. But that was a time that, that they didn't. Right. You know, then, you know, no, people who own football teams and basketball teams don't look like you. So now you are going to have to be at your best. This is what you're probably going to do. So what do you do? You're literally draining it out of them. Here's the problem. Now, you put them in a school system that isn't designed to empower them in the first. Uh-oh. Yeah, I got bumped out too, Doc. Can you hear me? I can hear you fine. Okay. Hopefully yeah. he'll get right back in. Okay. But in, 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 in this situation, you, you sit up. And you look up and there is a need to do something, right? And you're sitting up and saying, I'm going to do it. But everybody around you is doing this. Then you talk, he, uh, uh, Will was talking about uh, how many hours you have to think of something for yourself. Well, there's this thing called decision fatigue. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, if, you pay, if, if you look at some of the, 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 the top performers, especially one, people who were considered to be brilliant thinkers, are at the top of their game at the top of the game that i'm in which is life enhancement right now tony robbins is king mm -hmm. uh everybody else is finding their slots on down i found a little slot over here and where i'm doing my things and i'm completely different but it's no competition i'm not trying to compete with him i'm trying to be me but but if you watch tony robbins if you watch mark zuckerberg if you go back and you look at steve jobs and a couple of others one of the things they have in common is they almost look like every day they're wearing the same thing. If you talk to them and ask them why, I wear the same thing. It's not the actual same thing. I just got a closet. Steve Jobs had a closet full of jeans with black long sleeve T-shirt. And, and that's what he wore. Mark Zuckerberg's got a bunch of gray shirts, gray T-shirts. 
Tony Robbins got a bunch of black shirts. But what happens? That's a decision I don't have to make when I wake up in the morning. Do you know how much energy you use just spending, like finding what I'm going to wear? And as you move through the day, you have this thing called decision fatigue, where you stop making good decisions, where your brain simply gets tired. So you make your best decisions when you first wake up in the morning, when you're fresh. That's why I tell my clients, always do the heavy stuff first. Don't go checking off all the list stuff on the list, because when it's time to tackle that big thing, you're going to be mentally fatigued. Here's the thing, though. Now, imagine you're getting up every day and you're going to work and you're spending those prime moments of thought and creativity for someone else. By the time you do have some time to yourself, you your, your creativity level is down, your imagination level is down, and now you're just trying to figure out how to finish the day. And you do this for, for the average person five days a week, some people more. Okay, so what then you do? You are going to have to find some time to invest in yourself. You're going to have to find time. It doesn't mean you quit your job. It means that you have to find some time and make some time. Sometimes you're going to have to tell your job, you're not going to get the best of me. Right, absolutely. Because I can't depend on you. When, when, when Even if I stay with you, and that's not how things work anymore. It used to be you go to a company, you stay there 30, 40 years, you retire. That doesn't happen now. So... I, the, the, that type of loyalty doesn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. It's on to whatever the next thing is and the, the next hot kid can replace you at any moment. Mm -hmm. And you can sit up and find a better job and bounce anymore moment. That's the way things go. So what do you do? You've got to say, what can I depend on? Because even if I stay with you for 40 years and retire, when I retire, I get whatever I've got in my pension mm -hmm. and I walk away with just that. That job that I've worked for 40 years, you don't give that to my son. Right. You don't give that to my daughter. It doesn't become a part of my estate. It goes to the next up and coming person who's going to give you 40 years of their life and still not get the job. You're working it, but it ain't yours. It's theirs. Absolutely. And everything you create during the job or on that computer that you use of theirs becomes yep. their content. Right. They own it. Right. It, it's called intellectual property. Absolutely. If you work for them, whatever you create in those doors or at home remotely, whatever, if you're on their machine, it belongs to them. And yeah, I, 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 I totally agree with you. That's why I'm fighting real hard to, 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 you know, catch a balance of, okay, how much time am I going to devote to these folks? And then when you, you know, I hate to say, they say money is the root of all evil, <clears throat> but I say money can money is a hell of an assist. It it allows me to 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 cash flow to to figure out what kind of real estate or business that I'm going to run that will constantly churn, just like the people that I'm working for. They had an idea. Somebody invested in them, and now they hired a thousand, two thousand, five thousand people. And, and at some point, one of us was one of those five thousand. So I'm glad I'm old enough now to kind of you know wake up and snap out of it. Um, but I do understand why some people would, because you know family, kids, college, colleges they got to pay for cars, whatever it is. Some people have that day job to take care of their their, their, their folks. So. You know, I can only speak for Will, but that's why some people do it. All right. 
So, right. Will, Will, Doc was talking a little bit earlier about ownership. Are, are you satisfied with the progress of ownership? And uh, are there any black actor organizations that are out there fighting to create content, uh, ownership, and, and those type of things? Are you a member of any of those organizations? Do you know of them? And what are they doing? I don't, I don't, I don't know of any black actor organizations that, that will build help you educate for one because some of the actors don't know how to do it um teach you how to own it teach you how to shop it teach you how to market it um if you let's go let's if you if there is one i hope it's i hope it's a holistic approach versus okay go do this and go and go sell it to them and see what happens i don't know of any um the only group that i have on facebook is called bass of black access in south florida and if you are an actor and you want to get involved with some of the things that are low that i have either locally in the miami area you can join the group, but um, what I can do, and this is this is goes to MySpace, maybe that 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 group needs to be started about, you know, taking ownership, you know, bringing right. people in who know how to create content and make sure it's yours when you go to sell it. And if they do buy it, then you know those monies could be fed to the group or the collective and help other um, actors. And producers and directors um yeah so uh you you recently went out to california uh yeah. you went for a reading can you uh kind of take us through the life and the day of, of will barnes when you go for a reading i know sometimes you have to go to california you have to go to new york you know sometimes it's on their dime sometimes it's on your dime mm -hmm. kind of take oh. us through uh what happened when you went to California? You're, you're flying out to California, you land, and then what? When you're well, going through it, it definitely it definitely wasn't a reading. I would I, I, we could because of technology, mm -hmm. we can do readings like we're doing now. Okay, you know what I mean. When yeah. I went to California in February, um, that was uh, that was a booking. I booked the job okay. for a company called Ozempic. It's, it's a, like a diabetes drug, okay. and um, the first flight out. Was I was there for a week, and it was to do what's called print work. Where uh, I don't know if you saw. I think you saw on my the latest Facebook. I saw page. the yeah. I saw that, the uh, Ozempic uh, yeah. uh, uh, media yeah. blitz that they're doing for the. It's a, it's a drug, right? Can you it's, tell us a little bit about that drug? Yeah, and, it's, and, it's, and you were the face of it. It's a diabetic. It's a diabetic drug. Um, um, the funny thing was, and it really isn't funny. Uh, I believe they wanted someone who was on diabetes oh, okay. to be the face <laughs> of it. Because when I went out there, they asked me, um, so do you take Ozempic? I'm like, no. Oh, so you're not a diabetic? I'm like, no, I'm not. So that tells me that they were looking, they wanted, I guess they wanted someone, if they're gonna be the face, well then maybe they're someone who's actually taking it, the medication and, and can speak on it or whatever. Right. I didn't read any of that when they casted me. I didn't see it. I didn't read it. So uh, during that week, they 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 I get off the, the airport. I get to the airport. They fly. They they take me to a hotel. Um, there's some clothes there. You know, put some clothes on. We're gonna take some pictures. Da 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 da. Um, there was a lot of hurry up and waiting. Out of the out of the seven days I was there, I only shot three, four. I just hung out with some friends and some family an old friend of uh, a friend of mine and um you know you've got to be fluid 
you know, if they say, okay, we need you on set at whatever, whatever, whatever time, then you, you get there the best way you can, if not by a rental car or by Uber Lyft. Um, and they take care of those expenses for you. They take care of the flight out. They take care of the hotel, et cetera. Um, the second flight out, which that was February, the second flight out was in uh, early April, late April, where they actually shot the commercial. Okay. That was only three days. Again, they, 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 they shepherd you to the hotel. Next day, you try on the clothes. You do the filming the next day. Bam, you're off again. On to the next project. And so, uh, and that was it two or three months ago. Now, February is when I did the, the print job. Okay. As you can see, five yes. months later, you're now seeing the, uh, the actual uh, you know, pictures coming out. I think I signed off for them to do that form. I think online work, they might be on the side of buses. You know how the taxis have those little placards on the top of the advertisements, yeah. stuff like that, mm -hmm. yeah. stuff like that. You know, so whatever to marketing get, tool they, they use, they, 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 that image is gonna be able to be. So not to get into the personal finances, how lucrative can that be when you're doing uh, a commercial and also print uh, advertisement as well? Okay, if, if it's a union job, very lucrative union jobs meaning uh if they see your face once or twice maybe three times a day you're getting paid per per showing so those re and it's, there's those are called residuals mm -hmm. uh those i've saw i've seen some people do one disney commercial and make eighty thousand dollars off that one wow. and that and that's uh and and that's one commercial they may Come do on. three commercials a year if they if, if you know if they're lucky so that's how lucrative it can be. This job was a non-union job. So it, I think maybe all said and done, if I may walk away with about 12, maybe, mm -hmm. depending on how they go, how they put it out there. Right. What kind of challenge do you have? Because you're, you're a big guy, right? You're a big guy, uh, age, and then we have a lot of stereotypical roles that are out there. Is there are, are there any roles that you won't play? And, and also, like I said, what are the challenges being that that you're uh, in the mid 50s, like like myself and Dr. Wallace? And then, um, you know, you're a big guy, too. You're about six, four. And, and, right. and so, well, most castings in this country are Caucasian. Let's just put it out there. They're not looking for me. They're not looking for us. They they. Uh, as far as my size is concerned, you know, I booked the bouncers, I booked the, <laughs> the heavies, I booked the intimidators. Sometimes, I think I might have, I might have booked, um, uh, I booked a down here in Miami. They have a you, you heard of burn notice? The show burn yeah, notice. Yeah, yeah. Was coming down here. I played a federal marshal. I played a police officer uh, okay. on that show, and the glades. Um, was another show that was being shot down here. I played the scared mailman who got a who got a gun put in put in his face. Okay. So I could have felt some type of way with that, but the work is the work, and right. because of the politics of it, those shows will not will not be back in Florida. They're, those types of shows are now in the Georgia area because of the politics of Georgia. Allow or come here, come we got you. Versus Florida, nah. Nah, that's too liberal leaning. No, we don't, we don't, we don't want that here. And so, right. you know, you, you, I always go into a casting, being myself, 
whether it be size, African-American male, 50 some years old, and I would give you what I got. And if, and if in some cases they were looking for one thing, mm -hmm. they were looking for a white guy, but then when I gave them Will, no, I think we want Will versus what they were looking for. So mm -hmm. sometimes you can change minds. It doesn't happen often, but it does. So. So describe your brand. What do you, you know, when you go in, what do you, how do you describe your brand or how, what type of, of image do you try to put forth as far as your acting career? Well, like I said, you can only, you, you, can, you can present yourself. And I'm, I'm, most of the time I had a beard with, a, you know, I, I, a lot of times I was, I was rocking with the beard, but I decided to shave it off a little bit because I wanted to, you know, adjust, see what, see who's booking. Mm -hmm. if, the, if the people who are booking look like this, well, maybe let me, let me edge my stuff up a little bit, go tee this out and see where it goes. Mm -hmm. If there are folks who are now with the beard and full beard and they're like, like, like Dr. Rick has, well then let me grow my stuff out and see if I can go after that. It, right. You got to look at your environment. You got to see what's booking, what's not. Um, and in a lot of cases, it doesn't really matter. You can give them what you got. You got to, you got to be, you, you, you know, you get reject rejection is a way of life as an actor. You're going to have to just move on to the next thing. Right. There's the marinating on the, on the L's will drive you crazy. Right. Right. So I, I don't even marinate on them as far as, you know, my image, my brand, I come in as strong as possible. I don't do, um, Spousal abusers, I have right. no need for that. Right. Homosexuality, I I, I will not play a gay man <laughs> ever. Um, I don't play uh, molesters. Right. Um, and there are other spec. There are other human spectrums that I won't. I won't do. But but don't you feel as a as an actor, there are so many untold stories. It seems like, and Doc and I talk about this a lot. We get into the hustle and the poverty uh, narratives with these shows, whether it's uh, Power and some of the other shows. You know, we haven't really told many stories about uh, uh, the narratives between black men and black women. Do you see that much? Are you seeing any work out there all, like that? All I see is the damn reality TV shows that I will never be on. That's the only stuff I see on TV, and it's the right. reality TV, love and hip hop. Love in Oakland, love in Miami, love this, that, and the third. That's the only things I see on TV uh, uh, right now that they're hiring and booking for. Mm. That I, I, you'll never see me on a reality TV show. It might be as a stand-in. We can't see my face if I'm if I'm desperate enough. But <laughs> to actually be on there once a week yelling at this imaginary wife of mine, no, nah, right, that will right. never happen. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think Hollywood. I think. Black Hollywood is doing its best to try to bring uh, those kinds of shows. They've had a couple of movies out there uh, that they're trying to, well, that they brought out there that maybe didn't do as well. Mm -hmm. um, but if if we don't control the dollars, if we don't control the decision making, if we don't have a black studio to greenlight what we want to see, well, then we, we have to, we're doing what, you know, we, we get. What's green lighted is what they want to green light. Right. They'll green light. They'll green light the wire. They'll green light uh, power, which is a fifty cent. What well, fifty cent is is green light or that? That I got to hand it to him. He's 
He's got his own narrative. He knows what he's talking about. That was his life, I guess, at some point. So right. he's green like he's green with that himself. But unless we have, unless we can control our own narrative, we we we, we get what gets green lighted is what gets green lighted. Just right. like um, and I, and I liken it to the NFL. The NFL racist as hell, but we don't. There there are no black owners. So until we get an owner in there that can that can uh. Uh, uh, you know, add some, add something to the league. Well, then, I don't, I don't know if you want to call it suffer through it, but we, you know, whatever they say goes, I guess. Right. And I, I think that that comes back to what we're all talking about again when we talk about what Doc, Doc just mentioned, the narrative between black men and, and, and black women. I think we're at a pivotal point in our. Uh, collective dealings with our fair, uh, uh, our fair co- counterparts, black women, and a lot of it is playing out through the impulses created by negative propaganda, uh, negative image play, uh, suggestive uh, subliminal messages about conflict resolution. Um, there's a whole toxic push about self-love that absolutely has nothing to do with self-love. It's selfishness, two mm-hmm. totally different things. But what it does is it creates division, separate, separation, and distance in a time that we really should be coming together. And there isn't enough content. There's not enough uh, of a narrative of conflict resolution, a a narrative of love, a narrative of a presentation of what's more than possible, but it's not profitable. Right. The collective unity of black people isn't profitable to anyone but black people. So the goal has always been division. When you ask J. Edgar Hoover, what's the greatest threat to national security, his response is black unity. And what do you see? A constant push from COINTELPRO to the deindustrialization of the inner city on through the crack epidemic. It has been a constant push of division, divide and conquer. And so where is the power? It says uh, art imitates life, but life also imitates art. We see that in hip hop. That's been instrumentally being used to create a misogynic, misogynistic approach to how we deal with our women, to create a disrespectful and small, uh, a small uh, vision of how we see our men. Women see our men as the bag. If you don't have the bag, you are worthless. So, okay, you have the, you. If you don't have the bag, you're worthless. If you ain't a ten, you're worthless. And and everything else in between is the real true reality. Number one is we probably could get the bag together a whole lot quicker. Absolutely. Number two, ain't that many tens out there. That's why you got so many people getting all these surgeries and doing all this other stuff, because now everybody's trying to be that 10 because the 10 gets the bag. No. How about we come together and we build together? How about we push through and we create something together? Because that collectivism that we use, that unity we use, that narrative that we write when we stay together, 
when we work together, when we love together, when we are a part of one another as a household, as a community, as a race, when we build that, we send the message to the next generation. This is how it's done. But the next generation is already coming up and figuring out how to circumvent what is necessary to have something solid and strong to get what? The bang. And the truth of the matter is fewer are getting it because the wealth gap is widening. Right. But there's an illusion that we're getting it because we know how to play well. We buy Jordans, we buy Benzes, we, we, we move into homes we can't afford. We do a bunch of other stuff. Why? Because we're trying to get ourselves to believe we made it when we know in truth we haven't. Because all we got to do is look at where we are and see they're not worried. They don't have to show what they have now. They live in it. They live in it. You stressing about $5 gallon gas. They not stressing about it. Hell, they own the gas station. <laughs> so so that's the difference in it. But it comes with this narrative that they, they've got it and they're pushing. And there simply isn't enough economic power and force. The one person who seems to have carte blanche as a black person in Hollywood has no desire to show unity, strength, and love between black men and black women. And that's Tyler Perry. Mm. Mm. It's always a black man dogging the hell out of a black woman. She's going through all kind of hell to struggle her way back and find herself. And oh my God, diary of a mad black woman. Oh, then <laughs> on Mother's family reunion, he beating the hell out of her. On Mother's family funeral, he cheating all the way up until he died. He died in the bed cheating. And, and it gives you the end. That's what we are. We ain't nothing but some low down, dirty cheaters that don't know how to treat black women when most of us love us some black women. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that 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 it's a sad thing. But we don't we don't understand the gravity of that. We don't understand the gravity of that. We don't understand that the very future of our race is going to be dependent upon this narrative that's being written right now. And so when we talk about acting, we're talking about an instrument. It's not simply entertainment. And that's the lie they told us. That's just entertainment. No. There are going to be people who are going to look at that and think something is possible or not possible based on it. Mm. So that's something that, you know, that's when I first asked about ownership. That's what I'm talking about is. We're not just talking about money. Yeah, we need the avenue to make money because that's where power comes from. But we also need the avenue to tell our story. Absolutely. And that's where we're lacking right now. So speaking of speaking of stories, Will, you recently uh, published some months ago uh, one of your spoken words uh, works called My Brown Girl. Tell us, tell us uh, why you produced that and tell us a little bit about how you went about doing it? Um, I wrote that, man, gotta be 19, yeah, 1980, no, I'm sorry, maybe 1992. It yeah. was one, you know, it, poems for me come from experiences. It comes from what I want. It comes from maybe me going to a party and I try to talk to this lady and she was like, she rejected me. Or I go to another party and this lady, we, we got each other's numbers. It comes from job stress and frustration. Uh, Brown Girl came from um, uh, uh, a lady who I knew in, in grad school. 
she was actually going for a PhD and she, you know, long story short, she, she almost gave me the blueprint of what I would want in a woman, in a brown girl, mm -hmm. light skin, dark skin, whatever it is, as long as it was a brown girl. And that's where, and that's where that, that particular piece came from. Um, you know, to add to, you know, brown girl was the only, I'd say brown girl was the only piece I ever did an MP3. It's the only mm -hmm. one that I, I normally write mine out, but that's one of the only ones that I actually try to market, sell. Uh, I, I, I sent it to what's something called a United Masters, which is how mm -hmm. you send it to them. And then they'll post it to all the other websites, which started, mm -hmm. I think Steve Stout, I believe, started that um, particular uh, uh, platform. And, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's one of the ones that when I do my uh, MP3 book, I plan on uh, verbalizing, you know, an audio book of, of, of one of the books that I've written. Uh, I plan on making an audio book of all those. And then, you know, that will probably be the, 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 when I premiere the book, that'll probably be the release of, uh, of, of a remix of that one because the one i sent you was that was just that was just so, me talking and rolling so right so tell people where they can find that i know you're on spotify right the, my brown oh, girl is on spotify, spotify itunes i think uh, spotify itunes uh amazon as well i mean they they they, they, they and you wrote that to celebrate celebrate black women uh, right it, the, the particular that one woman that i that could have been mrs barnes that's what that poem was about and um you know since then i've written a few more but there isn't a mrs barnes as of yet so i'm gonna keep on writing until i find one well our listeners out there y'all heard it mr barnes is looking <laughs> so Doc, uh, let's see if we could have uh will would you mind uh could you take us out of here on that you know just uh do a few lines from my brown girl oh yeah sure let me see uh you mind, Doc? He can take us out on that? Yeah, we can do that. Okay. All right. Put me on the spot, huh, Doc? Yeah, he'll do that. He'll do that in a heartbeat, man. I, I, I've been working on I'm trying, man, but this dude. <laughs> I thought I heard my brown girl say, I thought I heard my brown girl say, yeah, I thought I heard. My brown girl see from her brown toes, nipplistic, sick with tantalizing toe chicks to her ankles, to her tattooed ankles, tattooed with hearts, leopards, her initials, to her calves tight and top. She taught me things. She taught me how she looks so damn good in heels. To me, listening to her walk into my shower so I can devour all of her inhibitions and then there's her knees. Oh, then there's her knees. Oh, Pretty, pretty, please, can I bring a warm breeze to that pearl between your knees? I thought I heard my brown girl say, yes. I thought I heard my brown girl say, I thought I heard my brown girl say, I thought I heard my brown girl say, yeah, that's it. All right, then, on that note, we're going to thank you for dropping in, Will. Uh, Doc, thanks for bringing another 
uh, uh, very uh, inspiring guest on the show. Hopefully we'll get him back and we can talk deeper. There were some questions that came out of this that we definitely don't have time to talk about. I, I sort of responded to it, uh, but there are some sisters out there, man, who are hurting. Uh, and I know there are some brothers, we don't like to admit it, so we're not going to get on and actually talk about how we feel about what we've been through and the pain we feel. Uh, but the uh, young lady talked about real briefly, and I'm going to shut, shut up and get off of here, about first wife syndrome in the sense of men who use their first wives to build their empire mm. and then leave them to marry the woman of their dreams. And, and my response was real simple. I'm not supportive of that. Who you build with is who you live with, who you stay with and you connect it to. Again, that's a bad narrative. That creates the distrust that we're dealing with. You know, who who, who I build with is who I want to be with. Uh, the problem is there's this idea that there's this, this uh, utopia of love because of the romantic novels, the romance movies. And so everybody's searching for this utopia of love. Nobody wants to build because building ain't easy. Building requires longevity and commitment. Building requires some ups and some downs and some difficult moments. Building requires being able to look at somebody with the side eye and still work with them that day. See, those are the things that we don't want to talk about because we're living in this idea that this is how it looks. Well, no, if you're going to spend each and every day of your life with somebody, you're going to have moments where you're looking at them and you don't like them. Right. And then you got to determine how you're going to handle them when you don't like them, because that's going to be the reflection of your character. Is how I treat you when I'm not feeling you is who I really am. Mm. Because if I'm sitting up and I'm getting what I want from you. Yeah, I'm going to treat you how you want to be treated because I'm getting something that I want. It's when I'm looking at you and I'm in a moment where you're not giving me what I need. And I still treat you the way I promised I would treat you when we started it. Because I'm not treating you based on my feelings. I'm treating you based on an obligation, a contract, a covenant, and a commitment. And the commitment was we're going to do this until we end it, until it's all over and we're going to fight through it. We don't have that now. Nobody has to stay in. Nobody has to fight through it. Nobody has to stick anything out anymore. So the moment that it becomes uncomfortable, it's where your threshold is. Whenever I reach my threshold, I'm gone. And that's a problem. Everybody's hitting thresholds and bouncing. And nobody's sitting up saying we're going to build. We're going to do something because we our kids deserve to see us hand them something collectively that they can work with. Also, our kids need to be able to see what it's like to endure. I'm not saying staying abusive relationships. I'm not saying staying in relationships where your spouse is mishandling you, disrespecting you, uh, doing not. I'm saying that there is no perfect situation. Everybody's not going to flow like you're going to flow. And women and men, we're built completely different. Women, women's brains flow from left to right. They're intuitive. They're spiritual. They feel things. Men, we are front to back. Our identity is built on what we do. We are going to be justified in our work. I'm not talking about jobs. I'm talking about our work. I'm talking about the thing that matters to us, the thing we're passionate about. And if she doesn't know how to plug into that and feed that, yeah, there are going to be a lot of bad moments. If you don't know how to lean into and provide what she needs to settle her insecurities, it's going to be a lot of bad moments. But if you really love one another, you find one another. 
Mm. So that's the thing. So for the person that's asking that, yes, SJ, both sides are right now afraid of being taken advantage of because everybody's about self now. So you can't trust that when you get in it, the other person is in it the way you're in it because you don't know how long they have before they hit their threshold. Right. So everybody's like, man, you know, so now it's all about who going to bounce first. I'm not going to let them break my heart. So now we sabotage it just so we ain't the one to get hurt. We, we running and chasing stuff. So my thing is, look, we got to get to a point where we're starting to live the narrative that we want to see in our community. Talking about it, lecturing on it, all that doesn't mean anything because our children are emulating what they see. And if they see a situation where we have a 50 plus percent divorce rate and all we've got to do to, to, to get that divorce is tell the judge that we're not getting along. Irreconcilable differences. I don't have to show any violation of the covenant. I just got to show I ain't happy. And that's that. So look, I had to touch on it because she had a very valid point and I didn't want to leave her hanging. I answered it in the chat, but I wanted to answer it so more people will hear it when they read it. And I'm look like some people stuck around for it. So that's good. Again, Will, thank you for stopping by, man. I love uh, that the, the, uh, uh, the spoken word you share with us on the way out. Doc, we'll talk soon. Everybody else, thanks for stopping in. It's awesome having you guys visit with us and we'll see you next week. Again, yeah. thank y'all so much.